Welcome to Between the Lines, an Oaks Church Brooklyn podcast where we go behind the scenes of our current series, The Story of God, alongside our pastors and a few friends. We hope you enjoy. What, what, what? We're back again. Back in the lab again. Yes. Um, so, we are looking at Cycles of Chaos, part one. Yeah. Headed to part two. Uh, I'm curious. Yeah. I imagine, obviously, this is not the first time you've heard the Cain story, but now, on the precipice of becoming a father, mm. did it hit different? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because um, I, you know, my wife and I have talked about um, like how many kids we'll have. Uh-huh. I think we'll settle at two. I think okay. that's kind of like where we're at. I, I'm a big fan of man-to-man defense. Sure, yes, zone yes, seems yes, a little yes, difficult, uh-huh. but um, it's what, all difficult. Yeah, it probably. <laughs> um, but I think there is this sense of I always thought about you know do do parents have favorites? Yes, and I'm surely I'm, I think to myself I would never favor another child over another and yet the great love i feel for this child about to be born to this world this boy i am feeling that sense of well like if number two comes along like you got here late i'm sorry you know like you, you showed up late to the party you know they have <laughs> this is something i learned maybe this is a southern thing but uh your first child you'll have a baby shower you mm. know what they call the second no a sprinkle. <laughs> I think that tells you all you need. Why we have so much middle child energy. Because mm. uh, all they got is a sprinkle. I only have one kid and I have a favorite. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it's not him. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> It's the him that listens. Yeah. It's my favorite. <laughs> the other one. There's uh, two sides to every yes, James. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, we we started off this week. Uh, looking at this family, yeah, the start yeah, of a family, yeah. Adam and Eve. Um, we had, uh, we kind of, you know, I don't want to give a full recap. You can always go back and listen on the, the teaching thread to yeah. the teaching. But essentially what we kind of talked about was this, was really, and I, and I wonder if this was caught on, was like Genesis 4, it's kind of like Eve's story. Like yeah. it starts with Eve and it kind of ends with Eve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, through the lens of her children mm-hmm. and through the lens of her family and the kind of cyclical nature of unordered chaos. Yeah, and where yeah. It, where it leads us. Um, and you know, definitional wise, we kind of talked about chaos being the kind of the neutral, the neutral force, the force in the world of of that which is unordered and uninhabited. And then we talked about how when chaos escapes the bounds that God has placed it in, it yeah. no longer becomes good chaos, mm-hmm. uh, but then it becomes uh, bad chaos, which is then sin. Yeah, uh, and sin being that unordered chaos, and or the ways in which we try, like Eve, to go about the business of becoming like God and yeah. ordering chaos. Mm. Um, so th- that led to uh, uh, one question at the end of our teaching, which was uh, how to sin then. All right. I get the, the link from chaos to sin, but how does sin lead to death? Yeah. Um, now I gave an answer to that, which uh, got a, 
you know, got a little wild, uh, uh, admittedly. Um, but yeah, I'm curious your your thoughts on on that question: how sin leads to death. Yeah, I think it's interesting because the story of Cain and Abel is kind of illustrative to that purpose, to that end. Cain is dealing with kind of this disappointment, this anger, anger, right? The text tells us his face has fallen. Mm -hmm. And he's not condemned for that, right? Mm -hmm. His sacrifice has been judged insufficient or God looks at unfavor with Cain's. And there's this sense in which, okay, like your face has fallen, but you know what to do, like to you do do well. Mm-hmm. But there's this thing at your door, and I love that that in this passage, sin is then personified yeah. as this kind of creature, this beast at the door, just as just as the serpent is at, at yeah. in the garden, the beast is at the door. And what is the warning then? Um, you know, its desire is for you. And so I think in this story, we see illustrated anger is like neutral chaos. I can feel angry. Yeah. But the moment I let my anger break the dams of the order of God, yeah. anger quickly turns into murder. That's why Jesus goes on to say, there's an, there's an equivalent here in which the anger and hatred in your heart is akin to murder. Because yes. what, what does it eventually spill over into? Violence against another. And so I think, if, when I, how does sin lead to death? I think whenever our, the cha- unordered chaos spills over from from our hearts into our hands and becomes the way in which we engage in the world and we unleash it there's it's almost like kind of breaking the dam mm. there is nothing in the water's way that will not be swallowed up and whether that 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 death is literal death i.e. a murder of the murder of abel or uh, or relational death or emotional death like mm-hmm. there are things we do that deaden parts of ourselves and others. Yeah. And and it's when that disordered, unordered chaos gets free of the bounds of God and kind of, bec- I think w- this is when it's helpful to talk about sin as an action. It's like those things we do with our hands and with our tongues that spill over into the world and affect real cause and affect real harm. And sometimes that's literal death. And sometimes that death is the death of those things which make us human. Yeah, and this is where I think like God's probably I love the it, re, it reminds me like this idea of chaos even as water, right? Yeah. Like that's the tovu vavohu this is again Genesis 1 kind of language. But, like you think about water and like you know, I look at my friends, can you swim? Can you swim? I can swim. Okay, see you we grew up differently. Um, I grew up going to Astoria pool. That's yeah, why. Yeah, see exactly. New York Rican, <laughs> like this is how y'all get down. Uh black people in the south, we we've got a weird relationship with water. Um so we just try to stay away from large bodies of it. That's an overgeneralization, but the sure. reality is uh I think about chaos as water and like I do see my friends who can just like jump in the pool mm. and like, I mean, man, y'all making that look so nice because mm. all I see is death. And if I jump in there, <laughs> if I jump in there, like we're going to need somebody. Yeah. I'm going to need the Lord. I'm going to need the Lord. Need your Baywatch moment. <laughs> yes. Come, come and save me. When I was a kid, my dad would, he would call this swimming. 
he would go to the shallow end of the pool because he also couldn't swim. <laughs> and he would he would dive in and he'd crawl on the bottom of the pool <laughs> on all fours and come back up to the shallow end. And that's what he thought was swimming. I don't know why that means nothing about what we're talking about, but uh, just offer that here. <laughs> but like, that's it. Like yeah, the yeah, water yeah. is neutral. A pool is a pool is like good chaos. Yeah. Uh, unless you don't know what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Like, unless you haven't been taught by someone who knows mm-hmm. how to handle the water, yeah. i.e. how to swim, uh, you it, for you it will become death. Yeah. And if that pool escapes, the water in the pool escapes its bounds, right? And it becomes a flood. It becomes mm-hmm. a tsunami. Um, well, that's a different story. It's not yeah. fun yeah. anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that I think that tracks in, as we kind of think about sin leading to death. Um, but there's another question that came in kind of leading off from that. Right. And yeah. there's this idea of, you know, okay, if, if this story is one in which God is, is ordering chaos so that it can be life giving mm-hmm. and preventing us from death. Right. And we see that, uh, through Jesus, like, right. This is yeah. Jesus's ultimate work is uh is ordering the full chaos of sin uh mm-hmm. the question came over essentially that was well, what about those people who didn't know about jesus and didn't have say yeah. the sacrificial system right yeah yeah um like were they just lost to chaos because they didn't have a lifeguard yeah 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 <laughs> you know uh and I, I think we should like yeah speak to that a little bit uh what does it mean for Cain to know salvation? Could he in this time? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's a clue in the text, and then we're going to have to do some like canonical reading and jump to the New Testament real quick. But there's an implication um, where, where, where God says to Cain, you must do well. And you must, ma- like, you must, well, you must master this thing, sin. The, so the implicate that's a that's a that's a faulty promise if Cain is utterly incapable of dealing with the chaos in in himself. Yeah. And so there is this sense in which there is an opportunity again if if because we again we've talked you talked a bit about this in the sermon how this is stories a bit of a mirror of Genesis three right we're yeah. we're not in the garden anymore now we're out but but the story's the same there's an opportunity to either lean into God's wisdom and his purposes in the way he orders things. And there's an opportunity to take what makes me feel good, to, 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 to judge what is good and evil in my own heart. And that's kind of the offer to Cain. So there's this implication that, that Cain is, is responsible mm. for his brother's murder. It, God's not playing um, kind of like a, a cosmic con on him mm-hmm. in which like, I know you're going to do this anyways. You kind of don't have a choice, right? Like there is a sense in which Cain is invited to be responsible. And the moment you're invited to be responsible, then judgment's appropriate. Um, because we are, because the moment I st- sin voluntarily and, and I step into the brokenness of, of, of my unordered life voluntarily, I'm responsible for that. And this is where to get into to, to that kind of canonical reading, I'm talking about jumping into Romans and Paul, dealing with a similar kind of question, says this. 
Indeed, when Gentiles, being those who don't have the sacrificial system, Mm -hmm. who do not have the law, do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves. Mm -hmm. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and other times even defending them. So Paul's kind of making this case to a, a, a Jewish Gentile church in Rome. So like, where do the Gentiles fall into the plan of salvation? And one thing he does say here is that even though Gentiles don't have the law, they don't have the sacrificial system, every human has a sense of, of the divine order of God. Every, because we're made in the image of sure. God. And so for, for those who don't, didn't, weren't introduced to the sacrificial, sacrificial system of the law or the, or the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the opportunity to be righteous is available because it, it's written on our hearts and it's, us to, it's on us to choose which way we shall go. Mm. It's seeing you in there, which way we shall go. That you've always heard me harp on like uh, John 668 mm. and like, you know, the confession of Peter, like to whom, not to where we shall go. And it's funny because when you say that, when I think about this question, I I I think about like, the question that has to kind of precede it, like what is the nature of salvation? Yeah. Like what is salvation actually trying mm. to accomplish? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, because some of how I hear this question is, is operating within a framework. Uh, and, and this isn't a castigation or an aspersion on whoever sent this question, but, it, but just what it kicks up in me is I hear something latent and tacit in there about salvation as uh getting the the good check mark. How do I get the mm. blue check mark of yeah. God? You know? Um, how do I get like a how do I do the right thing to get this out of boy? You know? And then and then God lets me into his family. And what I how I can like consider these things is that I, I would describe the purpose of salvation is bring us back into ordered chaos and bring us back into a place where things are good, not Mm. perfect, but good. They're operating in relationship with how they should. Meaning I have Mm. intimacy with God. Like that's the whole, for me, the point of Jesus uh, is helping us crawl into our father's laps again. Yeah. You know? And, and there's always been a way to have intimacy with God. Yeah. Like Adam and Eve had it the easiest in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> they went on walks. He just showed up and was there yeah. in some sort of form. You know, when we go through the rest of the story in the beginning, God takes these like all different forms that brings his people into intimacy. Yeah. And so it's like, um, so all that to say is then, like, Jesus is the ultimate form of intimacy with God, mm-hmm. but also not the only form, right? Like, like there was the times where you know the people went into the priest went into the temple, yeah, uh, on behalf of the people, and and it, you know the tabernacle, yeah, which meant like God dwells among us. Yeah, they were intimate with God, and even here now. 
uh, I would say Cain and Abel had intimacy with God. Yeah. But Cain rejects it. And so all that to say is uh, I don't know the machinations of all the ways God has provided for people across time and space and culture uh, and geography to mm. find intimacy with him. But I do believe, uh, to your point, and what, you know, even in Romans 1, that even nature itself is inviting us into intimacy with God. Yeah. So, in, in short, I don't quite know how <laughs> the salvation mechanism worked, but I am sure how the intimacy mechanism worked. All Cain mm. had to do was just do well, just live sure. with me. Mm. I don't know. But I guess it kind of leads to the the next question that was that was sent, which was kind of going back to this whole mess. Yeah. Like the offerings, right? Yeah. Why was Cain rejected? You've got these two brothers, mm. uh, Abel and Cain. One brings the 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 you know, the the kind of the this meat offering from mm-hmm. the fatted calves and lambs, and then you have Cain, who's a farmer who brings uh, some of his fruit and Cain's rejected uh, and Abel is, is favored. And so, yeah. What, what are your, what are your thoughts on why Cain was yeah, found I, disapproved? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, something that came up in Sunday school as well after the service. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Sunday school, we gather after the service to talk about the text and where we're going in the story. Bring that old thing back. You know, so um, it's a question that did come up, and I think you you hinted at it in the teaching, in which the first clue we get to this is actually with Eve. Is this in Eve as she's announcing the birth of her son Cain? The language she uses is essentially this: "I've made this child. God help me a little bit. The Creator help me a little bit. But this is the, I've created life." I mean, her name means life, right? Yeah. And so there's something already in, in this portrait of, 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 of Cain's birth that Cain is the pride of his mother. And then when we get to the actual offering, there's, and, and the rejection of Cain's offering, the acceptance of Abel's, the portrait we see again is one of pride. It's not one of humility. It's not one of... of recognizing that there is a proper way into which to approach the creator. It's one of, man, my brother got one up on me mm-hmm. and that wounded my ego a bit. And so I think at the root, I think we could say of why Cain's often rejected, we see this kind of through subtle through line of, of pride mm-hmm. um, where I think we see with Abel, even when you, you hinted at his name, maybe you could speak to that in a moment, the, the, the connection of Abel's name, there's this, kind of recognition of who he is and it shows in his offering i am not i am not like god in the way maybe my mother eve thinks she is Mm -hmm. i am nothing (laughs) and so i come before my creator and i give him my best but maybe Mm. you can speak more to that yeah that's interesting i'm hearing in that um shades of the prodigal son yeah right here we are again we've got two brothers yeah right and and there's approving and disapproving, but it's a little different in that story. Yeah. You know, 
Uh, yeah, so we talk about Abel. His name literally means nothing. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's what we see in Ecclesiastes. Abel, Abel, all, all things are Abel. Everything's meaningless. Yeah. Uh, so no one, you know, Eve doesn't even bother to name him because she already has her pride and joy in Cain. But uh, and so here you have, you know, they offer their sacrifices and and the nothing brother God exalts and the the more proud brother, the the, the firstborn God um, kind of lowers. And what's interesting is like, you know, I think it's easy to kind of lump the the kind of like the curses and the and the ex, the exorcism of Cain um with this moment. But God like you said, God doesn't reject Cain's not cast out. Yeah. Because of the sacrifice. It's actually this teaching moment. He's corrected. Yeah, he's just corrected. And it kind of reminds me of like James one and nine, which is like the the low brother, the the able brother, the nothing brother, should rejoice re, like like take joy in his exaltation. But the the proud uh should should delight in their lowering. Mm. Right? Their kenosis, their their emptying out. Uh and kind of just going back to that prodigal son, here you have this father, and it's the younger brother who you could say, like, you know, this is different from Cain and Abel, maybe. Uh, but you have this younger brother who, like, does nothing, actually does all the wrong things, but in the pivotal moment at the end, what he does do is he is he runs as he comes back to try to just be in his father's house. He just wants yeah. the intimacy of the father. And the father comes running. Yeah. The father's like, you you desire, you want to be with me. Where you didn't want to be, where you rejected me mm. and my intimacy, now you want my intimacy and I'm here for it. Yeah. As opposed to the older brother who was always there in his presence but has this, but doesn't want intimacy with his brother. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of angry at like, because his intimacy with his father as the older brother sees it, which is kind of implicit in the story, his intimacy in his father is, is predicated on his productivity for his father. Yeah. I've he, been here. That he's not his brother. Yeah, I'm, I'm not my brother, and I've been here yeah. working. To which the father is like, don't you get it? Like, yeah. this is your brother. Like, it's not about your work. I'm thankful for your work. Yeah. But I want you over your work. Can't you see that in relationship with brother? Yeah. And I And I wonder if there's... Something of that here in this story, where it's not what you do, but how you do it. Mm. And uh, it seems that where where Abel offers uh, a sacrifice, and you know we get this later in like Hebrews eleven, it talks of like how Abel offered a righteous sacrifice, speaking yeah. to the state of his heart. And, yeah. and when you get into James and into Jude, where it talks about Cain being evil and Cain um, giving out of maybe a place of, of a broken heart um, mm. or or a, a haughty spirit. Yeah. Um, and he couldn't take the humbling of the Lord. Yeah. So, yeah. but you know, who can know? Who can know the such yeah. things? Um, all right, last thing before we get out of here, I kind of just want to look ahead uh, to yeah. this Sunday, Cycles of Chaos, part two. Part two, Read us. We we're running it back. Yeah. Um. So we made this choice. I remember when we first plotted out the series, we only had one week of this Cycles of Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were like, this, this is not going to cut it. Yeah. Uh, 
why don't you speak a little bit to some of the kind of why we decided to kind of camp here in these like first like you know eight chapters of of Genesis and yeah yeah so these kind of first eight chapters are sort of the fallout of three and then the fallout of four and so what we what we come to learn remember you know when 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 Yahweh, when the Creator speaks to Adam and Eve and says, "You shall not eat of this fruit because you will surely die." There's this sense in which, okay, so when's the death coming? Four hits, mm-hmm. death, and then all of a sudden, that death begins to fret, spread, and it starts with a family. Eventually, it builds out into a society of death, it's a society of of sin and brokenness and un mitigated chaos and so we kind of decided to camp here because i think it's illustrative of the reality of sin and death you know i I think to the question at the top of the podcast like how does sin lead to death well it's not just how sin lead to death but how does sin spread from solitary choices to widespread impact Mm. and so the sin of Adam and Eve and the sin of Cain and Abel doesn't remain with them. It spreads out and it gets bigger. And, you know, you, you throw a snowball down the hill. Eventually you, you, you got an avalanche, you know, you, you yeah. got something coming at you. And so I think we decided to stop because we really wanted to sit in like, how does this thing, like how does sin and death, how does it spill out of control? And then what does God do in response to it? Hmm. Yeah. I'm curious. We've been talking so, you know, obviously theological and theoretical. Uh, I think it would be fun, fun, uh, <laughs> to kind of end on a place like what in, in like your life, like what do you know? What have you known of like the cycles of chaos? And as yeah. we talk about like family to society and kind of these yeah. larger structures, what's been your experience of that? Yeah, I, I know for myself, um, you know, and I've spoken about this, you know, I have a very complicated healing, growing relationship with my father, but my life changed when I was 13 and my father made a decision to leave our family, right? An act, a single moment, spread out and influenced a large part of my life, even to today, in my own relationship to becoming a father. Mm. And so in that is clearly, I think for me, has always been clearly illustrated that your sin never stays just with you. The impact mm. of your sin. And, and that's the horror of sin. I, yeah, I, I think even we look at our world around us, you could just turn on the news um, and you could just say when, when people make decisions to give in to unmitigated chaos and try to order in the ways they think is wise and good, that the impact of that never just stays with you. And that's, it's almost what's like, you could say unfair about sin it's like you made that decision why do i gotta suffer for it but that is the nature of sin when the dam breaks the water doesn't distinguish between friend and foe yeah it's kind of like you know here in new york city no one splits checks you know (laughs) So yeah. I've learned, like, when you go out with friends to always carry cash because there's always that one person yeah. who orders the most expensive thing on the menu and then is like, we're splitting this check, right? Yeah. And I just got a drink. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> You're just like, no, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, yeah. But to the restaurant, they're like, I don't care who ordered what. Yeah. Y'all Someone's got to fi- pay, yeah. pay a bill. You all got to figure it out. 
Uh, so that makes me think of that. But yeah, that's cycles of chaos. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's um, I, you said something that you know to, I think is a good thought to end on. Like even for me, like how how are the the places and the choices of the ways in which I have tried to order the chaos in my life? How is that going to affect? Yeah. And how is that already affecting mm-hmm. the people around me? Yeah. You know? Um, hmm. Worth pondering. Worth pondering between the lines. There you go. All right. See you next week. See ya. See ya.